Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer. And welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. Today, Patricia has an article for us. Um, so before we yes. kick into our conversation, I would love to hear a little bit about what we are going to be discussing today. Sure. Well, I'm going to just kind of give a quick summary. Basically, if a company takes care of their employees, treats them well, their external stakeholders, people like customers, um, are more likely to think highly of them. Hmm. Summary. Summary. It's a good summary. I yeah. like that. It's like a back of house, front of house. Like, you know, yeah. you have you have uh, good stuff going on behind the scenes. It passes along to the customer. Exactly. Yes. Uh, and it's an interesting study. I don't think it's... I don't remember if we've ever talked about a study that's this type of structure. Like... It looks at tweets and things like that. So we'll talk about that in more depth. But um, it was a different methodology than maybe some of the studies we typically talk about uh, because of what they're trying to measure. So it should be fun. Yay. That's so exciting. <laughs> um, well, I'm really excited to hear about that, especially because I love bringing new methodologies and new like innovative stuff to our listeners. That's so fun. Um, but before we learn about how companies can leverage good employee practices to influence customers... Um, how is your day going? I know we've been on a little bit of a hiatus, um, yeah. while we took our, uh, little summer break. So what's been going on with you? Yes. Our little break was very lovely actually. So we had two weeks where we didn't record. Um, and in those two weeks I took two little trips. Um, we went to Morrow Bay at the end of June, um, which is like in central California and we did like whale watching and it was actually really nice because it's been very hot. Um, I know everyone's probably heard about the West coast heat waves that have been happening and it was super hot before we went on this trip and the location of Morro Bay is in such a place where it doesn't really get hot. So it was like, I was wearing like a jacket. I bought a oh. sweatshirt when I was there because I got cold and That's I didn't so bring exciting. warm enough clothes. So it's kind of like a nice little reprieve. And then we got to see like, I just love sea animals. Like that's yeah. stupid, but it's true. Um, like, and so there's a ton of otters that live there too. So like we saw Yay. whales, we saw otters. It was just so cute. It was really nice. And then for 4th of July, we went to Palm Springs and finally saw our friend's house. And we saw a bunch of other friends and met a few people that, um, so it's like a couple pair of, of our friends that own the house. So one of the guys is, um, like it was friends with Danny from college and like we've obviously stayed very close. And then his boyfriend is the other owner of the house. And so we met some of his friends, which you have we met a few of their, his friends before, but these are new friends. So it was really fun to meet some new people, hang out, be outside in the million degree weather. So it went from like cold to super hot when we went mm -hmm. to Palm Springs. Yeah. <laughs> but we were in the pool all day and it was just a very lovely, relaxing time. So yeah, I used our little hiatus for some good breaks. That's exciting. Oh, that yeah. sounds so lovely. And I know we're going to be going on our uh, little first get together uh, soon in Palm Springs as well. Um, I know. I'm so pumped about that. So I over the break, wait. Patricia and I planned our first reunition. <laughs> reunition? I don't know. I don't think that that's is. a word. <laughs> I think it's just reunion. Yeah. <laughs> Our first reunion since uh, COVID started. And uh, we um, are so excited. And we're going to be going to Palm Springs, which 
I've never been there before. So I'm so pumped about that. And uh, trying to just, you know, get in some good, good time together and uh, revisit our, uh, our uh, prior life where we used to see each other more frequently. I know. I can't wait to see you. It's going to be so nice. I I'm going to give you like the biggest hug and like won't let go of you for a little while. It'll be weird, but Yay. whatever. Get over it. Um, I will and, then, it. <laughs> and then I'm so excited that you're going to see Palm Springs because like just knowing you and like your vibe, you are going to love it. I mean, I told I you it's going to be pumped. hot, but beyond the heat, like it's just so cute. The style there is like so fun. It is definitely your, your kind of vibe. So I'm Yay. really excited to show you around Palm Springs. I'm super excited to be around in Palm Springs and even just the places that you've showed me so far are so cute. I'm just like really excited uh, to go see all the places that you've showed me all the like it just looks so fun. So I'm really 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 excited about that. It is really fun. Um, But you what did you do during our like break time besides plan and dream about Palm Springs? (laughs) I don't know. What did I do? What did you do? I can't remember either. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know the answer, but I don't remember the answer. Um, I didn't actually really do. I think it's because I didn't I didn't go anywhere, but I did have um, a nice uh, weekend for Fourth of July where we hung out with uh, some friends that actually uh, Patricia, you know, because um, you used to work with one of them and we went to grad school with them, Um, but they live around the corner from us and we hadn't seen them in a really long time. So we ended up hanging out with them like three separate times or something like that which is awesome so uh, that was really exciting and we just kind of like hung out we didn't do too much but we were just like we were just chilling basically taking a break yeah so it was kind of an at it was an at-home break but it was a good break good good yeah well I'm glad I don't know. I think these kinds of breaks are really important. Like I've been so busy as everyone knows, like I started a new job. So it was really nice to have like my first break after really, um, being mentally stretched, if you will, learning everything in this new role. So I super loved it. Um, but I think it's just nice for us sometimes to have a couple of, I mean, we know we do it twice a year, right? In summer and in the winter. (laughs) I don't know why I couldn't think of that word. (laughs) The other season, holiday season. Um, And I think sometimes it's nice just to take a little bit of a break, regroup, and then come back super excited about our new articles. Yes, I am very excited about that too. And I think that we always tell everybody to take a break. And so we should practice what we preach. (laughs) Good point. Very good point. Yeah. So let me tell you about my new article because speaking of like giving ourselves a little bit of time, it allowed some new stuff to get published since I last looked at some of these journals. Um, And that is where this article came from is, yeah, I went to the Journal of Applied Psychology and was like, hey, look at this new COVID research. This is one of those studies we've talked about that happened um, through the pandemic, which I think is really interesting. It'll be I'll be curious to see how future research looks at these questions and um, and what we can find further. But I do think that the pandemic, as we talked about before, has kind of allowed us to do like experiments on a very different scale because everyone was going through the same thing. So it's like every yeah. company was dealing with a crisis, not just one company or two companies, right? So it makes for a really interesting time period to study what what companies do and how it works 
Yeah, I completely agree. Like it's it's just such as everyone has been saying an unprecedented time. But that <laughs> is actually the case, right? It really it really was. And so I think so many it gives you an opportunity to really see and ask different kinds of research questions than you normally could. And even though we won't be in such an extreme situation, it was a really great time to think about things like, well, what is the impact of working from home or uh, this research on customers? Like, you know, there's all these different sorts of things that you can really um, see more clearly under these circumstances than usual. Yeah, exactly. Because you have like a very specific time period where something is happening and you can take a look at it under a microscope and figure out, you know, some interesting findings. And that's what they did here. Like this study wasn't a data collection study. So that's, I mean, not in like this traditional sense where like we're doing a survey, we're asking people, right? You're collecting data in a very different way. So I'll talk about that in a second. I guess I should probably start with what the article is, <laughs> what it's called and all that good stuff. Um, so the article is called Caring for Their Own. How Firm Actions to Protect Essential Workers and CEO Benevolence Influence Stakeholder Sentiment During the COVID-19 Pandemic. And it's written by Steinbach, Kautz, and Korsgaard, uh, published this year, 2021, and the Journal of Applied Psychology. Awesome. So you started to get into it a little bit, but maybe you could give us a little bit of like background on the study and kind of what they're interested in here, aside from what we got from the title. Yes. So what they're looking at is, okay, COVID happened. Here's like this extreme situation and companies kind of had different responses as to how they supported and protected their employees. Right. So we know that like a lot of offices closed. We talked about remote work before, but this is really looking at different the different work setting right outside of like office work when we're looking at like retail or industries where people have to go into work and be there physically right food um, services manufacturing things like that so the businesses that stayed open in the traditional sense um, because of the type of work they do that's what they were looking at so they're really interested to see okay so these businesses had to stay open what actions did they take to help protect employees and how did that impact what they called stakeholders? So this whole study, they kept talking about stakeholders, but basically stakeholders in this case, they're calling them diffused stakeholders. So it's not like I have to necessarily own a share in the company as a stakeholder. I am somehow impacted by the company. So I'm a customer of the company. I, um, you know, purchase their products or I go to their, that grocery store or that food, that restaurant or whatever. Right. So it's really, you're somehow interacting with the organization and that's how you're a stakeholder. You're not an employee necessarily. You are somebody that is somehow impacted or related to the business in why they say diffused is because it's could be somebody that like, isn't, they don't necessarily have a say in how the business is run. Um, but they have opinions which can impact their behaviors towards the business. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So it doesn't need to be someone who works there, but it could be someone who touches the business in any kind of way. Um, so, I mean, generally when we think of stakeholders in different organizations, we often think of people who um, just something about their lives would be impacted by some action that the company takes. So it sounds like they're taking that kind of definition as well. Exactly. Yes. And so they wanted to see, like, what, how 
does the action that a company takes in a situation impact stakeholders' social approval? So social approval here is defined as basically like how positively or favorably does a stakeholder feel about a company? Um, And other research has shown that this kind of approval can actually impact things like market reactions. So if your stock goes up or down because of how people are talking about your business, it impacts consumer behavior. So whether people are going to buy something, go to your store or not. Um, And it actually can also impact what the company chooses to do next, right? Because they might want to, they hear a lot of bad things going on. Maybe their social approval is really low. Then they want to do something to increase that because they know it's you know, good PR to have people talk positively about your company versus negatively, right? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So that's what they were looking at. They also did look at um, CEOs demonstrated benevolence, which only really comes into play one piece. So I'll, I'll spend a little bit of time about this later. But basically, CEOs benevolence is just some sort of behavior that shows concern for the welfare of their stakeholders. And in this case, stakeholders could also mean employees, right? It could be Mm -hmm. anybody, like you said, impacted by the business. So employees, um, if you're coming into their grocery store, do they care about the consumer? Are they making sure that they have masks to protect the consumer too? Things like that. Um, So it's just the CEO caring about people really is what it comes down to. Yeah. So they're not just showing concern for, you know, the the folks that maybe they're seeing every single day but they're just you know trying to they're trying to do the right thing in this situation and see and this is kind of looking at okay what's the broader reach when you're doing the right thing like it might not even just be in a sphere of influence that you're accounting for but it could have an even bigger impact than you're thinking Mm -hmm. exactly so how did they do this there's a couple of things they're measuring so what they did is they actually looked at uh, like Fortune, I think it was Fortune 500 companies. Um, and they look to see, okay, let's find seven, let's find as many publicly traded companies that are in essential work. So like I said, food services, um, retailers of essential supplies, household supplies, manufacturers for those types of supplies. Um, let's take a look and find publicly traded companies that are in this space And they found 77, but after they collected additional data, they ended up with a sample of 59 companies um, because of missing data. So that's what they first did. Like, okay, let's identify these companies. So again, this is like a very unique type of study, right? Then compared to what we've talked to in the past. Yeah. Then what they did is like, all right, let's see what actions they took during COVID. And in this study, they were basically, they're really focusing on positive actions. So they looked at safety measures and compensation. So did the company put in safety measures to help, you know, their employees be safer on the job? And or did they put in some compensation actions, meaning did they increase pay like the hero pay that people have talked about or, um, you know, cover their health insurance or give them more days off if they caught COVID or things like that. Something that has to do with compensation during COVID. So those are the two positive things they were looking for to see if these companies did these things. Awesome. And the way they determined that, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say, I, I've been doing um, a project with this organization that did like all of that stuff. And uh, were really like dedicated to treating their employees well during this entire period of time. And 
it's really interesting because I feel like um, they've seen so many positive impacts in so many different ways from doing the hero pay and also like sick, like paid sick time and uh, in an industry where that's not usually the, the norm. So I'm really excited to see the results because I, I have a hunch based on what I've been seeing that um, people really pay it forward when you go out of your way to be uh, careful about them. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think I know the example you're talking about and it is it's really nice when you see companies that care and it does change people's behaviors. Like anecdotally, I think we could both talk about stories around this, right? Like yeah. I know of a a grocery store chain that I typically love but then knew some people working there and they were not treated well and I haven't gone in a very long time. Um so it does have an impact like how people have been treated and with COVID it's special like it's super salient right right now so it's very front of mind maybe not as much now but when all this was starting it was very front of mind so we cared about it because there is something to be said that we know like when it comes to people's behavior people will pick convenience over like their ethics a lot of the time um, unless they're reminded of those ethics frequently but with COVID, it's one of those things where it was reminded of, we were reminded of it all the time yeah, because we had to put on a true. mask, we had to do all this stuff. So we we're thinking about it a lot more, um, especially during the study period, which I'll talk about in a second, um, where we were making decisions based on what we were finding out about these companies. So I think it's a very, again, like a really specific period of time that we can actually do some research and really understand what's going on in a situation where it would take years to collect this type of data if we were just waiting for crises to happen in like very specific companies, you know, and start piling up and seeing what happens. Yeah. Um, And it feels like there's like, it's a good opportunity to also pull out like, well, what might be a positive impact of having this like shared existential threat, right? Where we're all thinking about these ethics and health issues and taking care of each other, like more ever presently, like what can we learn from that, that we might not want to let go of all of that. Right. Um, Which is kind of an interesting thought as well. Yeah. Agreed. I think, Unfortunately, I'm starting to feel like we're coming back to where we were before and people no. are not changing behaviors <laughs> the way I would like them to based on the things we've learned during COVID. But that's a different conversation. I won't, <laughs> I won't think about that. I'll think about, um, <laughs> I'll dream about the otters that you saw on your trip instead. Oh. That makes me happier. The lovely otters. So cute. You would love them. They were just like cuddly. I, just, I know like obviously I'm not going to jump in the water and like cuddle a, an otter, but I wish I could. Well, Anyways. <laughs> did you have the otter beanie baby when we were growing I up? did. Me I too. still have. I have it in my apartment right now. I still have mine too. I never oh knew this. Gosh. The otter was one of my very favorites. <laughs> yes, me too. And actually it was really funny because Nittany loved that one too. Aww. Like I had it and so I'd give it to her and she would carry it around like a baby kitten. Aww. Like she'd carry it on the back of its neck and then just lay with it. That's it's so, so cute. cute. Yeah. So I still have it. Um, that otter was in. a goat of Beanie Babies. There were a few <laughs> that really, really stood out. The otter was for sure one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. I love that you have it, too. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I went through my whole collection because I had, like, so many of them. And I was like, I'm only going to keep, like, five. And the otter made the cut. I mean, as it should. As I it mean, should. Clearly. Obviously. VIP. But, um... <laughs> Anyway, sorry. Anyways, <laughs> enough about otters. Um, but hey, listeners, I hope you all love otters as much as we and do. I and I hope you also have the otter beanie baby. If yeah. you gave it away, you're no longer in our club. <laughs> <laughs> the, the otter beanie baby club. Um, 
<laughs> we're gonna get like weird pictures of like people with their otter beanie babies yeah um. probably <laughs> send them oh my god please if anyone has one like please send yeah them. i would i would be very happy i almost feel Love like it. we should put um i am thinking that you and i should take a picture with our otter with our otter and i think po- you're right and post it when we post this episode Oh, that would be so um, cute. <laughs> I mean, like, find out more as to why we're talking about otter beanie babies. <laughs> and everybody will Listen be like, to the I'm good, thanks. <laughs> and like, we don't care at all. It's um, not a hot topic to me. <laughs> <laughs> then they're missing out, okay? Yeah. They're missing out. You're right. You're right. It is a hot topic. But yep, you're right. <laughs> we're preaching to the choir here. If you're yeah. if you're here listening, you obviously agree. <laughs> yeah, clearly you must love this this little stuffed animal the way we do. Anyway, but anyways, um, we digress. So yeah, um, quite a tangent. But what they did so they had these 59 companies, and they collected data um, from different places to determine like what people did and the benevolence of the CEOs, things like that. So they. There's this engine like Factiva, which I've never used. I don't know anything about it. But um, so Factiva's intelligent indexing helped them find relevant articles about what these companies were doing. So they searched for these these companies and saw like any press releases, whatever, to determine if there were any actions taken in terms of these safety measures, the compensation actions, things like that. Um, So they used this tool to help them understand what companies were doing. I guess there's... I mean, obviously, these are all publicly traded companies, which I think was intentional because then most of the time they're communicating with their shareholders what they're doing. So those types of things would be tracked somewhere, right? That's awesome. Um, I never heard of that database either. So that's kind of cool. Well, now you can steal it and use it in your research. Factiva. Yes, Factiva. Um so they did that. Then they measured CEO benevolence. They basically were looking to see like, is the CEO benevolent prior to COVID? So, and how they did that is they took stakeholder letters that were issued um, in their annual reports. So like their 20, I guess, 2019 annual reports. Um, the CEOs usually have a letter and then they coded in that letter, like words and the way that the CEO wrote um to determine like how benevolent this person is so how Mm. much do they care about the welfare of the shareholders or employees like what are they talking about in their letter that's really cool I mean I like that methodology because it's sort of qualitative and sort of quantitative and it's like archival and there's no way that the people that were writing those letters could be influenced by the study because it's pre-existing like they didn't even know Mm -hmm. that that was going to be part of it because it's like just public domain so that's really cool it's like um people have started analyzing tweets now well that's the next thing oh <laughs> yeah all right so yeah it was really interesting because i agree i think it's interesting to go back to these letters that were pre-covid so there's no like we're not looking at letters that a ceo sent after covid where they feel like they have to talk about safety or they feel like they have to talk about employees in a certain way. You know, it's really looking at how they were before any of this happened. Yeah. So I think that's like a really important piece. Um, and then the next thing they measured was stakeholder sentiment through Twitter. Mm. <laughs> so they looked at Twitter posts about the companies, um, like where they, you know, added them, hashtagged, whatever they, they, search through Twitter to find these um, posts about them. And then they coded all of those as well to see like positive sentiment or negative sentiment or neutral. Right. Hmm. So looking to see what the sentiment was towards the companies through these tweets, the window of time that they measured 
was from January 1st of 2020, which means they wanted a before, right? They wanted to see how things were before. Um, and May 24th, 2020 was the end period. And they chose that date because it was before the Twitter narrative changed around, uh, George Floyd's murder. Okay. So they really intentionally stopped it there. And then March 13th, which is the day that the, um, federal government declared COVID a federal emergency in the U S. Um, that's the date that they indicated was the onset date for COVID. Okay, gotcha. That makes perfect sense. Um, so they have these CEO letters and then they have public sentiments and the letters all happened before COVID. Yep. Exactly. So they're basically looking at what's your authentic, genuine investment in these things and how does that impact how people felt about you through COVID? Yeah. So how did that impact? So they're really looking to see like how was the company um impacted like how do people talk about the company and did the ceo benevolence impact like help that right like if people think it's authentic or not um the findings were interesting uh that's that's the thing is this whole study i feel like like, it's more complicated to explain like what they studied and how they measured it than the actual findings but the findings i thought were pretty interesting so when it came to safety actions there really wasn't much of an impact (laughs) like um Generally speaking, like when they just look at a basic relationship between if they took safety actions and how people felt, there was nothing there. Okay. Um, kind of because they're saying their theory is they expected like a lot of states had mask mandates. A lot of these types of things existed. So it wasn't like, a, oh, you're going out of your way to think about the safety of your employees. Right. Like you have to do it. Right. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really interesting. The only place when they looked at CEO benevolence. So like, okay, so if we think about this, we've got the whole, like, we just look, how does safety action impact how people feel? No relationship. But when they looked at, they grouped the, um, like, imagine they're grouping the companies by CEO benevolence. They found something interesting come out where if a CEO was considered not benevolent, then in those companies, the positive sentiment did go up. So mm. basically it's like, oh, well, I kind of thought that company was kind of full of jerks and they're still doing this. So I guess I guess they're not that bad. That's interesting. <laughs> so it's kind of a way of like redeeming yourself. A little bit. Yeah, it is interesting. I was surprised by it. Yeah. I mean, I guess it would be kind of like, yeah, if you're known not to be super nice, but then you're, even though it would still be though, the same thing of like, it would be seen kind of like forcible. Right. Um, but it's still like, I see that you're not being actively, I mean, there were some people during COVID that actively tried not to take safety measures. Like, I know people whose bosses were like, well, I don't care. I'm keeping the office open and just don't tell anyone we're coming in. Um, right, right. So I guess it could be like, well, shockingly, this person's listening to directions. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I was like, maybe it has to do. And because they didn't look at negative actions, right? So people that ignored it, like I would be really interested to see this study expanded and looking at, okay, so people that took safety actions, there's some people that you know didn't what about people that like were against it right Mm -hmm. more actively against it because most people were doing the safety measures and most of these big companies these publicly traded companies you have to imagine they're not going to risk getting fines or doing whatever 
with a large, you know, with, from the federal government, if they're that big, right, they're usually going to just kind of go with it. Yeah. Um, but if you're looking at like smaller companies, they might be the ones that are more likely to kind of actively like stand up against yeah. it or whatever. There might um, be more variation or something like that. Right. So anyways, it would be really interesting to see like if someone was actively kind of going against safety measures, if what that does. But in this case, it was basically like, yeah, wow, thought they were kind of jerks, but they did something. So I guess I like them better. And maybe um, there's other um, forms of benevolence that they were showing or other things that they were saying or doing that aren't captured in this study that might have been surprising to people. Like, it's possible that COVID like made people feel a certain type of way and like act a certain way that they wouldn't otherwise in other ways that's not getting captured. So maybe it's like if I thought you were a jerk and then you're actually doing some different things, but that's just not like in this study. Um, It could have been like that, like positively violated expectations thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of questions as to why that happened, but it is very interesting. And I would love to like tease it apart and I do think that there's like like you said some sort of you expect one thing and something else happens and so you see it more positively but if you expect the person to do it anyways there's not really a change right totally yeah that makes sense yeah but then it gets a little bit more complicated because then when you look at compensation so if a company took action that has to do with compensation so they're like all right we're gonna pay people more we're gonna give them two weeks paid time off to quarantine if they have to quarantine whatever um those companies we saw the positive sentiment increase which makes sense right so that's actually one that's like more voluntary yeah and mm-hmm. so we're seeing people that are like oh look at this company they've done these really great things i'm feeling better about them i'm gonna tweet positive things about them Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because that's not something that was mandated, like you're saying. So you really did have to be like more positively, you know, you're you're going out of your way to be positive in that situation. Exactly. So that's when you look at it just kind of as a whole. But then when if you go to like what I was talking about earlier, when we're like grouping, right, we're seeing like what happens if it's a benevolent CEO or not a benevolent CEO. In this case, the positive sentiment only increased for the highly benevolent CEOs. So if you look, if you break it down further, what we're seeing is, all right, let's say, I don't know, company A has a jerk CEO and he implemented um, a compensation package. You're not going to feel better about them. But company B has a very benevolent CEO and she put in a compensation package you're gonna be like wow that company is even better than I thought they're so great I love them that's interesting so it's right the safety can violate expectations positively like oh I thought this person was a jerk but like look I guess they're not so bad and the pay is like only only makes up for the like it doesn't make up for the fact that you're a jerk it only works if you're already awesome yeah huh which is surprising right guess it's like money actions speak louder than words or something like that. Like actions speak louder than money. I don't know. Like it's like if you pay people, but you're, you know, still kind of a jerk or like not taking these safety actions, people are like, well, great. Like you can pay me more to come in here. I mean, that's another thing. Like if you're getting paid more, but it's not something that I don't know. I'm trying to think through, like if you're violating people's expectations on safety, um, that so here's my idea okay yeah I because I've been thinking about it a lot 
Um, so I'm going to just give yeah, you my yeah. idea because I feel like you're thinking through it too. Um, the, I'm just thinking for myself, if there's like, you know, companies in mind that I know are just not as great to their employees, if they start paying their employees more during COVID, I feel like my reaction is, yeah, they should. They probably weren't paying them enough to begin with. Yeah, that's true. You're right. It could be. And so I don't that. necessarily feel better about them, right? Right. It could be that, that it's just like a recognition of a longstanding issue. Yeah. That's that where sense. I kind of landed. I was like, that's where I, I think, may, I mean, obviously this is theory, but that's where I landed as to what might be going on. Because then if it's a company that I know that generally cares for their employees and then they increase, I'm like, oh, like I'm just thinking of everyone's going to probably know what it is, but there's like a fast food chain in California that's known for paying employees pretty well. Mm-hmm. And um, if they increase their pay during COVID, I would be like, wow, like they're already higher paid than like any other fast food chain. And now they're increasing it. Like that is really cool. Right. right? Like I would look at it that way versus somebody where I'm like, okay, I know they don't pay their employees well. And now they're increasing it. It's like, well, they kind of have to. Right. Right. Because employees also were like in a dangerous position especially in those kinds of jobs and so like it's almost like hazard pay or something mm-hmm. right and then also they had the risk of oh well unemployment benefits have gone up during right this time. they could leave right so right. it's almost like maybe in those instances it's seen as an economic decision where if they already had a benevolent ceo they might have been making more money anyway and it really was seen as more of like a caretaking measure Exactly. So yeah, that's, that's a where good I idea. landed. But <laughs> yeah, I like that idea. I think that makes a lot of sense. So if you're so I think maybe a takeaway to think about is that um, you really need to invest in employees from the beginning. Um, and while people can feel better about you for taking certain kind of measures, if you started off poorly, it it didn't hurt people to not to take those measures regardless, right? It's not like people thought worse of them when they took um, safety measures. So um, it seems like the better thing to do probably holistically, if we think of like just knowing what else we know about the literature would be to be nice and then be nice on top of it. Yes, exactly. I feel like the big takeaway here it's, and I know a lot of our studies that we talk about are really kind of we give you like what an employee can do, what a leader can do, et cetera. This is much like kind of a bigger picture, but I think this is a good case to make, right? That we need to treat employees better. So you can take this study and be like, Hey, if you don't treat employees, well, these are the kinds of things that will happen. Your customers will be like, what the heck? Like, why are you not being nice to them? We don't like this. We don't want to be a part of this. So, um, I feel like this is kind of like a, an additional, study to put in your toolbox of like why it matters to treat employees well and yeah I had a similar like thought and takeaway it's like just treat employees better treat them well and people will think of you well and then if that's the case then you know that the actions you take like you said it didn't hurt anybody if they took safety measures it's not like it was like oh we don't like you now all of a sudden no but you see this big impact if you've done something in addition to the already good things you're doing. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, yeah. So I really liked that. I thought it was good. I would say the one big limitation that I'm very curious about is like, what would have happened if you looked at negative actions? And yeah. I think those are not public. Like they said that they're just harder to find when you look at like people saying like we did furloughs or we did whatever, like that stuff's not usually 
publicized in the same right, way. Right. Um, so it's harder to find, but I would be very curious, like what would happen if we did a bunch of furloughs? If, like if I'm company A with the jerk, probably, you know, I don't know if it would drop as bad as if like company B with the nice person had to do furloughs, if that would have had a bigger hit, you know? Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And and some of the results that we're seeing with regard to the safety thing, as we were saying before, like we don't know what else that person was doing. So maybe it was like a Scrooge story or something where it's like all of a sudden this person's like, wow, like a global pandemic, maybe I'll be nice. And there were other things going on too. But if you took negative actions into account, like maybe other things would shake out of like why some companies didn't do as well in the rankings as you would think. You know what I mean? Like maybe it would Mm -hmm. make up for some of these um, other kinds of things that we're not seeing in the data. We could tell a little bit more of a complex story about at least these like least less benevolent um, CEOs. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, I thought it was interesting. I think it's a good story, like I said, to be told if you're thinking about why, you know, why should we be focusing on employee wellness? Why should we care about how our employees are feeling and how we're treating them? And beyond like, you just should, like, don't be a jerk. <laughs> but like, this is another reason, right? Is public sentiment. Now we have, um, so there's like some research that I was seeing like in other fields. They're not necessarily in our field, um, but in journals, like I haven't really heard of, so I didn't know much about them, but they were talking about social media and public perceptions and how people make decisions. Like companies are making decisions because of what people are saying on Twitter or on Facebook or whatever. So clearly that matters. And we know it matters for like, you know, you're doing market research. You want to make sure that your target audience like likes what you're doing. And I think that this is important is just to think about, okay, well now that everyone has a voice in these forums where they can share the crappy thing you did and talk about it, uh, if you don't care about people just because you're a good person to care about people, you should probably care about that because you want your customers to come back. Yeah. There's a lot more impact. Uh, There needs to be a lot more transparency because people can't hide as much and there's a lot more accountability because of that. So, um, keep doing what you're doing to hold people accountable, people out there too, to doing the right thing because, uh, your voice as a customer does matter. Uh, and that's, I think something really cool that has developed in technology over time is like, the people matter a lot more than they used to. Mm-hmm. They've, we've, you know, we've got a bullhorn now. So I think that that's a really cool thing in terms of driving uh, companies to do the right thing and be rewarded for it, or not do the right thing and don't. So I think this is a really cool paper. I'm glad you brought this up because it's a different set of outcomes than we usually look at. A little bit bigger picture, but basically a a positive sentiment for beginning to build these relationships and do these things that are benevolent because. It's not just about what happens when a crisis hits. It's also about what's happened before um, and the the culture that you've grown. And so I think that's a good a good sort of takeaway is like hopefully nothing like this will happen again. But smaller crises happen all the time in organizations, not maybe a world crisis, but, you know, even internally things happen. So planting those seeds can help you so that nice actions that you take are amplified moving forward. Exactly. Yes. Well stated. I think that's a great note to end on. Um, I'm glad to have shared this article. It was very interesting. Like I said, it was a fun one to come back to after our little break. Um, something different, like 
not the same kinds of outcomes that we normally look at. And I really enjoyed it. And I hope everyone did too. So love to hear your stories, your thoughts. Um, are you one of those people that tweets at companies and makes them do better things? <laughs> let us know. If you have an otter stuffed animal from Beanie Baby, also let us know. Um, <laughs> we'd love to hear from you always. You can email us at contact at workerbeing.com. You can find us on social media on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter at WorkerBeing and on our website, WorkerBeing.com. Thanks for listening. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabarek and Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson. Oh.